You're listening to Nest Talk, the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. Now, here's your host, Christopher Linfont. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ravens flock, my name is Christopher Linfont, bringing you another edition of the Nest Talk podcast, the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. Today, we have an exciting show ahead of us. Um, today is December 27th, 2019. This is Nest Talk episode 58. Um, beginning the recording a little early today, around 9.50 in the morning. Um, but first and foremost, before we get into the episode, Merry Christmas, everyone. Ha- almost Happy New Year by the time we get to you on the Nest. Next, um, I can't speak this morning, the next Nest Talk episode, um, it will be 2020. I can't believe we're already almost there. Um, just a little housekeeping things as we always hit before we start the episode. Make sure you subscribe to the Nest Talk podcast wherever you are listening to it, whether that's Player FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, CastBox, Overcast, Radio Public, or Google Podcasts. Make sure you subscribe and give us some feedback on the podcast. It helps us out a lot. Um, I do have some interesting news this episode. Um, I would like to announce, I think I alluded to it last week, that we would um, at least talk about something coming up. I'd like to announce that the the Baltimore Feather and Nest Talk um, are beginning the process. Well, we, the the process has already been begun, um, but we're going to sell um, merch on the website. So um, all the proceeds, of course, will help the website grow farther and farther and make it better. Um, and you know, this isn't going to be just some little cheese merch, you know, that we we ask you to buy because you're a fan. No, it's you know. We plan on selling some really high-quality products that I think Ravens fans and Baltimore sports fans alike will just enjoy. So if you're interested in seeing that, um, you can keep listening to the Nest Talk podcast for updates. We're shooting to launch all of the store and everything, all the merchandise, selling it in early January. So just keep that in mind, um, and we'll see how that goes. I, I'm really excited about it. I've never done something like this before. So either way, whether or not we uh, we sell a whole lot, I think it'd be a good experience to try it out and such. Um, if you want to find us on social media, you, of course you can find me at Chris Linfun on Twitter. That's not just Ravens talk, but that's NFL talk and everything else. Um, but just for Ravens, of course, you find us at Be More Feather or at Nest Talk on Twitter. Um, you can also find us on Facebook. Just search up Nest Talk or the Baltimore Feather on there. And finally, but last but not least, of course, um, you can find the Baltimore Feather. Um, at baltimorefeather.com. That's where all the Ravens articles are being posted. I'm hoping to write more um, as we get towards the draft season. I'm really excited as we get to draft. Um, you know, I love the regular season, but draft season is, is this whole, you know, thing itself, and it's just so fun, and I can't wait till we get to that point, and that's really when we have a lot of fun on the website, so make sure you're ready to go with an email news list, signing up for that email news list, because the minute the playoffs are over, we are focusing on the draft. Now, that might be the first round the first round the Ravens get out. Hopefully, that's not true, but if it is, we'll be ready for the draft. If they go towards the Super Bowl, we'll keep following the Ravens, and then after the Super Bowl, it's free agency, it's draft, it's all those things. Um, one of the most fun to- fun times of the year is definitely that period between free agency and the draft. The lead-up, especially to the draft, is, is really fun and really exciting. Um, so make sure you subscribe to the email news list. You'll see a little bar on the right-hand corner, or sometimes you'll get a pop-up on the website asking you if you want to sign up for that email news list. I highly, highly recommend it. Um, all the ra- all the articles we publish get put into your inbox immediately. Every time there's a new podcast, it goes to your email inbox immediately. 
I know some people don't like spam their inbox, but we don't spam anybody. It's just if you want to stay up to date with the articles, this is the best way to do it. Um, because if you follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, you might not you might not see it. You know, you might it might get lost in your feed. But if you have it on the email news list, it'll be right in your email. So immediately you'll get it once something comes out. And that's a great tool for everybody to have. Um, and I really, again, highly recommend it. So without further ado, let's jump right into the news. And of course, I want to start with that Cleveland game. This past Sunday, the Ravens defeated the Cleveland Browns. I believe the score was 31-15. to um, It was too close for comfort in the first quarter, but once we got to the end of the second quarter, the Ravens, I think, scored a touchdown within two minutes, two touchdowns within two minutes of each other, um, and they started to pull away. And at that point, the Browns really had no chance of winning. But I was surprised that the Browns actually were able to hang on a little bit. I think mainly it's because the Ravens made some mistakes that they should not have. Um... But the Browns, I mean, I give them some credit for hanging on, but they were not able to keep up once the Ravens got moving. And, of course, that 31-15 to score reflects that. Um, but Lamar Jackson, we have to talk about Lamar Jackson, as always, because he essentially runs the Nest Talk podcast now with everything, um, you know, Lamar Jackson's doing. There's just no way out of it. So Lamar Jackson threw a f- couple touchdowns, maybe a few touchdowns on um, Sunday and that means something very special. The Ravens had a single-season um, touchdown record set. I believe it was set at 33. On Sunday, Lamar Jackson broke that record. He broke it um, by a decent margin. He was tied with Vinny Testaverde, the 1996, I think it was our first season, 1996 record of touchdown passes in a single season was tied at 33 with him after the Jets game on Thursday night. Came into Cleveland, threw three more. He's now at 36. That is the franchise's all-time single-season touchdown pass record. That's really, really amazing. Especially for a, you know a running back, right? Uh, not bad for a running back. But, of course, Lamar Jackson, you know, only, I mean, when you take that into consideration that he's only thrown for 3,127 yards on top of it, and I'm not saying that's bad, not by any stretch of the imagination, that's that's, that's a good passing, um, you know, number for where he's at, but the touchdowns on top of that number, you know, it's not like he's airing the ball out, it's because, you know, when they get into the red zone, he's so dynamic that the running ability opens up the the, the pass, essentially. And what I mean by that is, you know, he starts, if he scrambles, a linebacker is going to have the decision to make. Is he going to cover Lamar Jackson on the run or is he going to cover the receiver? It's bad whichever one he picks because he's going to score either way. So when you get in those kind of situations in the red zone and such, you know, Lamar Jackson can find his guys, whether he's running for a touchdown. And the total yards this season is really amazing. We're going to talk about. Um, the Ravens, but I do want to keep going on Lamar Jackson for a little bit. The 36 touchdowns is really amazing, but when you consider everything he's done this year, absolutely everything, for a 22-year-old quarterback, and the Heisman quarterback, and of course he won the Heisman, um, not, I know it's a little bit off topic, but I think I'd read him off because I just saw this before we recorded the episode here, uh, Hornrung, I'm so sorry, I'm, I'm mispronouncing these names, 1961, Roger Staubach, Seth Barry Sanders in 97, and Cam Newton in 2015. Lamar Jackson, assuming he wins the MVP, become the ninth player to do both, which is amazing. But you know, and they're just looking at his passing stats, because if you're looking at his passing stats, I understand 
There's no question about it. 36 touchdowns doesn't do diddly squat for you in an MVP race. He's got 1,206 rushing yards and seven rushing touchdowns for about 4,300 just total yards orders who won't play week 17. Can you seriously? It's remar- It's really, really remarkable. Um, I never always talk about my my wrongness about Lamar Jackson, and I admit it. I was entirely wrong. I'm great. I'm I'm grateful to be wrong because I didn't want to be right, saying he was going to be a bad player. I never wanted to be right on that. But I went out and and I published an article. Right, I said after the Miami game, I said I was wrong about Lamar Jackson. You know this this kid is good. He's turned it around. Because last year, you know, he was not a good passer. He will tell you that. He was not a good passer last year. Everyone knows that. No one disputes it. He was not a good passer last year. Now, after an offseason of tremendous work being put into an offense that caters to him, he has become the passer the Ravens need. He's become an elite passer. It's really amazing. If you look at these statistics, right, just from last season to this season in passing, he went from 58.2 passing passing yards, 58.2 pass completion percentage last year to 66.1 in a single season jump. That's just under 7.9 points, about 8 points, percentage points. Average of 7.1 yards per pass is 7.8. Three interceptions last year and half a season. Six this year. You know, two fumbles last year. Um, not a single fumble this year. Although I thought I did. I thought I did fumble. Maybe it was called back this year. Quarterback rating: eighty-four point five last year, one thirteen point three, and of course the two perfect passer ratings this year. Really remarkable stuff from Lamar Jackson. And the Cleveland game. You know, the Vinny Testaverde franchise record. That's a signal. That you know, to all the people who say he's still. I mean, look. If you were saying last year you couldn't pass, it's correct. Even beginning of this year, there were some concerns. But at this point, everyone knows he can pass. You can't you can't talk about him being a running back anymore. It doesn't make any sense. Now, another thing from the Cleveland game I want to touch on is Lamar... Not, not Lamar. Mark Ingram hit 1,000 yards rushing on the season. And think about that for a second. The Ravens now have two 1,000-yard rushers. Mark Ingram, Lamar Jackson. Now, Mark Ingram won't play on Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, that's because not only um, was he injured with a calf strain in the the Cleveland game, but the Ravens want to rest him and, you know, get him healthy, regardless if he had a calf strain or not. They were probably going to rest him. So Gus Edwards will start. Now, Gus Edwards, of course, is a, is a really good running back on his own right. He's got 581 yards this season. He's 30th in the league in rushing yards. 30th. There are some starting running backs that don't have that much yardage. Now, that's a lot of rushing yards. And we'll talk again. We'll talk about some of the implications of Week 17 with these rushing stats. But Mark Ingram going for 1,000 yards on the season is a testament to the way the Ravens designed an offense because they have an outside runner and, and Lamar Jackson, who, you know, he can run up inside, upfield, north-south, but they don't want to do that. Mark Ingram is, is really... The workhorse of that offense in that respect. Lamar Jackson's more of the finesse guy. Gus Edwards does the same kind of thing up and down. Comes in and relieves 
Mark Ingram. And you know, Gus Edwards, if he was a starting running back, he'd probably do what Mark Ingram is doing. Because he's got 5.2 yards per carry this year. 5.2. That's fourth in the league. It's crazy. It's absolutely insane. So Mark Ingram hit 1,000 yards, and, and Lamar Jackson was super happy for him. After the game, if you watched that post-game press conference, I think it was Michelle Tafoya on the field with him. She was talking about, oh, you know, you guys just clinched the first seed, you know, with this win in Cleveland. How does that make you feel? 13-2, and two, how does that make you feel? He goes, you know, oh, it, it, it's pretty cool. You know, we're a team, and, you know, we just want to win. And then and then she says to him, well, your teammate, Mark Ingram, hit 1,000 yards rushing, and his face lights up. He goes, oh, he did, he did. You know, absolutely ecstatic for Mark Ingram. Just shows you the way this team is. And Mark Ingram, of course, is always ecstatic for Lamar. Everyone on this team loves each other. I mean, there was some criticism going around earlier in the year. I don't know if you guys remember, but the, the Brandon um, Williams situation with Earl Thomas after the Cle- first Cleveland game was not pretty. Those two were not happy with each other. But now, I mean, I guess winning cures all, but I don't know if they get to this point winning so much without, you know, having so much fun as a team. That's what they're really doing is having so much fun out there. And it's, and it's fun for all of us to watch. I know you guys know that. Because I'm having some of the most fun I've, I've ever had watching football this year. And we just keep winning. Now, if we win on Sunday, that'd be great. But I'm not so sure. We'll get to that in a little bit. But again, the Ravens, um, Lamar Jackson hits 36 passing touchdowns, breaking Vinny Testaverde's 33 mark on the year. Mark Ingram, 1,000 yards rushing. And the Ravens clinch the first overall seed in the AFC. That's probably the biggest news out of this game, clinching the first seed. This is a team I thought would go 9-7. and I'm, I admit it, I'm, I was dead wrong about this team. I thought they'd go 9-7. and I thought the Browns would win the, the, the division, but who didn't? I thought they'd get 10-6. They're not as much wins as some people were saying, as many wins as some people were saying. Um, but the, the first seed is very important for the Baltimore Ravens. Gives them home field advantage throughout the playoffs as long as they're in it until the Super Bowl, of course, because the Super Bowl is already decided to be in Miami. That's an off, uh, off-site location for either team playing, usually, unless somehow the Miami Dolphins had made it to the Super Bowl this year. But as we all know, that's not possible. Um, they are completely terrible. But the first seed overall will ensure the Ravens play home divisional round game. In you know They have the first round bye. Home divisional round game, and if they go to the AFC Championship, assuming they do, they host the AFC Championship. So we'll see how that all goes. We really, really hope... They get to the AFC Championship, win AFC Championship, and go to the Super Bowl. But we got to get to that point first. Now, some other news for you. Some Ravens starters are going to sit out in Week 17 against Pittsburgh. And that's a smart move. That is the absolute smart move. There is no reason to start anybody super important to the Baltimore Ravens in Week 17. Now, the confirmed sits so far are Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, Earl Thomas, Marshall Yonda, and Brandon Williams. But you have to imagine some other guys are sitting. I would imagine... Um, Marquise Brown will probably sit because, you know, he's been dealing with injuries all year and you want to make sure he's healthy for the playoffs. Mark Andrews could maybe sit, you know, maybe Marlon Humphrey, Jimmy, Jimmy Smith might want to sit, you know, because of his injury history. Um, Marcus Peters, there's a lot of guys that could sit, but remember the Ravens only have 53 men on the team. You have to deactivate seven every week. Um, seven every week. Yeah, that's right to play so it brings you down to like 46 total players you know and there's what 11 on each side of the ball starting so that's 20 you gotta get 22 guys in there it's difficult to bench all of your starters some starters are gonna have to play 
Um, like Brandon Carr will play. We we know that that's been confirmed. Brandon Carr will not sit. And the reason, I mean, maybe you know, the reason, of course, is you want to keep you know some starters in play. You can't bench everybody. And you know, I'm not gonna say he's the worst secondary player because that's the the bad way to put it. The secondary is so high caliber. Being the worst player in the secondary is still pretty good. But he's probably at this point not the best player in the secondary. I can think of at least four other guys ahead of him. Earl Thomas, um, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, and Jimmy Smith off the top of my head. But Brandon Carr, you know, still is a, a part of this defense, but he will he will play this Sunday. And I think the reason mainly for that though is because he has that uh, career long streak of starting every single game in his entire career and sitting for a meaningless Week 17 game would take it away, so I think Harbaugh just said, look, you can have it, just don't get hurt out there. Because remember, this game means absolutely nothing for the Baltimore Ravens. There is no implications. The Ravens have the first seed, they can't go any lower. We could just put all our starters in to beat Pittsburgh up if we wanted to. That wouldn't be smart, though. We don't want to get anybody injured, we don't want to risk it. You know, beating Pittsburgh actually was the start of our win streak. It'd be funny if it was the end of it, right? And Pittsburgh has to win. They have to win because if they don't win, they're not going to the playoffs. If they win, they need a Tennessee loss to Houston. Now, it it sounds better on paper that, that you know Tennessee would lose to Houston, but Tennessee's been playing very well recently. And Houston's probably going to rest a lot of their starters. I'm pretty sure they've already clinched their division. I think they've clinched the third, fourth seed, something like that. They can't get a first-round bye at this point. I don't think it's possible. I'm pretty sure it's not. But they've got the division, so... I don't believe that they would play any starters. I don't think they are. So Tennessee could come rolling in, right? And beat Houston. As long as that happens, the Pittsburgh Steelers won't go to the playoffs. And everyone in Baltimore would be happy because they got the first seed and no one else from the division is going to the playoffs because they all suck. Especially the the, the, the the Cincinnati Bengals. That was a travesty this year. Crazy. I don't even know how they were that bad. They had some decent talent on that roster too. But no good at all. But, you know, with all these sits, Robert Griffin III is going to start. And I think in all that's the right decision. You want to give RG3 the shot at starting. But I was kind of hoping, you know, at the back of my mind, that Trace McSorley would start. We want to see what Trace McSorley can do. But the good thing is, supposedly, the coaching staff is preparing him to play. For however long, if it's a quarter, if it's a half, if it's three quarters. Trace McSorley is scheduled, at least in theory, to play this game. Or not the whole game, but most, or maybe not even most, but some of the game, I should say. If you can't tell, I'm, I'm kind of off my game this morning. I think I'm coming down with a little cold, but um, Trace McSorley, you know, we want to see what he can do. We saw him light up the Eagles in the preseason. He's got a lot of talent. Great quarterback at Penn State. I don't know if you watch any Big Ten football, any of you guys. Well, I would imagine a lot of you do because, you know, this is, you know, the Baltimore Ravens. This is Maryland, right? Maryland's in the Big Ten. So you guys, a lot of you probably already know what Trace McSorley did at Penn State, and it was phenomenal. I mean, he was a great player to watch, no question. He was so fun to watch. But, you know, a lot of people doubt him in the NFL. I said, you know, he could be a, a very good Taysom Hill type guy. That's what I'd like to see out of him to start, because I think eventually one day, Trace McSorley could be a starter in this league, absolutely. I think he's got the fire underneath him. I think he's got the tools around him. He's got the talent. I think he could become a starter in the National Football League. Not for the Ravens at this point. Unless something drastic occurs. Like Lamar walking after the contract or something, right? Or retiring out of nowhere. Some ridiculous thing. 
But unless that happens, that he would never start for the Baltimore Ravens. So I think one day, though, Trace McSorley could be a starter in the National Football League. And I'd like to see what he's got, because if he has trade value to a team that would consider him to start or something, and I don't expect it to happen this offseason, but, you know, the continuation of Trace McSorley's development could definitely enable that to happen, trading him away for a potential starting gig somewhere. At least midseason, see if he can win it, right? And we'll see how that works out. But we have to first see him go up against a real team in a real game situation. And look, this is the perfect game to do it because the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be fired up. They are going to be desperate. It's not going to be some diddly squat preseason game where all the backups are out there and the coaches really don't care that much. They just want to see the players play. No, the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be so desperate. They're going to throw everything at the Baltimore Ravens to try to win because they so desperately want to get in the playoffs. This is the perfect game to test people. So I want to see Trace McSorley. I want to see Jaleel Scott. I want to see Ben Powers. I want to see Emmett Marshall. I want to see a lot of our rookies. Dalen Mack, who didn't get a whole lot of time this year. Maybe Brendan Trowick at cornerback. I want to see that a little bit too. You know, there's a lot I want to see out there. A lot of different players. I want to see Chris Moore get a couple passes at him. We didn't see Chris Moore do diddly squat this year. Can Chris Moore even catch a pass? Does anybody remember the last time Chris Moore caught a pass? I don't. So get the guys who didn't do a whole lot this year out there so you can evaluate them for the future. And, of course, it would help them come contract time for themselves with the Ravens or with another team. But overall, this is the most beneficial thing to do for the Ravens. Not only does it keep the starters healthy, but it's going to give us time and, and a means to evaluate the backup players we have on the roster. And that's going to be key for the future because we want to make sure we develop our team into one of the best teams we can for, the, for years and years to come. So hopefully that happens. Now, I mentioned Mark Ingram earlier. Um, he's going to sit and he got that calf injury, but he says after this calf strain... In a press conference, he said he will be ready for the playoffs. It's not that serious. It's not structural. And that is a huge sigh of relief for everyone. I mean, seriously. Who on earth was not upset when Mark Ingram was injured in that game? I mean, that was like, like a, a, a shock to the heart. Everyone like just jumped for a second. Like, is he okay? Not only is he a super important part to our team as a rusher, as a receiver. But he's just an overall great guy. I mean, you don't want to see this to anybody. But again, he is a huge part of this Ravens team. He is super important to the Ravens. There's no question about it. None. Whatever. None whatsoever. For him to come out and say he'll be ready for the playoffs, that's fantastic news. Now, of course, you don't know. Maybe he, Maybe he's just saying that. But he has a three-week margin in between. now. Well, now it's going to be like two weeks because this week and next week, right? The buys. But he had a, he's got a long time until he has to play again. And hopefully he'll be ready. I hope he'll be ready. I hope Marquise, Marquise Brown will be ready because he's dealt with injuries all year. That foot injury that's been lingering around, you know, that's that's kind of slowed him down a little bit. He's never been 100% this year. He's been he's been good for us. He's he's our best rookie without a doubt. But, you know, there are other guys um out there that have done more for us in the receiving game. Mark Andrews, obviously. 
I mean, not Jaleel Scott. Even Seth Roberts has stepped up in recent weeks. Now, I wouldn't say Seth Roberts has done more than Marquise Brown, but Brown hasn't been healthy the whole year. When he's healthy all next year, we'll get a better picture of him. We'll see what he can do. Um, but we want to make sure everybody's healthy. Hopefully, Mark Ingram is healthy. Hopefully, Mark Andrews is healthy. I think he left the game early with an ankle injury. Um, you know, Marcus Peters was a little banged up. I think he's okay, though. Hope everybody's healthy for that game. So, here's the Ravens injury report, though. You got to imagine most of the guys either limited or not participating at all. Probably won't see the field at all. That's my absolute guess. If they're anywhere near an injury, the Ravens probably won't play them at all. So, Mark Andrews, the tight end, has an ankle injury, did not participate on Wednesday or Thursday. Brandon Carr um, had a non-injury related absence on Wednesday, but was a full participant on Thursday. Mark Ingram was out on Thursday and Wednesday with that calf injury. Marcus Peters with a chest injury was out on Wednesday, was limited on Thursday. I kind of doubt he's going to play this Sunday. Jimmy Smith with a groin injury was out on Wednesday, limited in Thursday. I doubt he'll play Sunday. Earl Thomas has a knee slash hand injury. He was out on Wednesday and Thursday, but will not play on Sunday. That's already been confirmed by the Ravens. Brandon Williams was out on Thursday. And so was Chris Wormley for the same reason, uh, non-injury-related absence. They were both out Thursday, were fine on Wednesday, and I would imagine they are back today on Friday. Again, this is being recorded early today, and we're at around 10.20 now. Um, so, of course, the injury report for Friday is still not out. We won't get it for a while. Um, so stay tuned to the Ravens Twitter account for that. But, of course, that won't matter a whole lot because anybody basically on the injury report at this t- time that's not, you know, not injury-related absence, of course, except for Brandon Williams, he won't play. But a lot of these guys are just going to sit out. The Ravens are not going to take any chances with any of them. So, moving on, I mean, there isn't a whole lot of other news to talk about this week other than, of course, the broken records, the the, the injury status for the Ravens here. Um, Quick note about that, actually. I forgot to mention the Wednesday injury report. The Ravens, it was Christmas, obviously, 25th. The Ravens didn't actually have practice on Wednesday, so they released this report about um, who was likely not to play. Um, I'm sorry, not to practice on Wednesday if they were at practice. They, who would have been held out, essentially. So they weren't actually there. There was no practice, but the Ravens said if we had practice, we would have held out Mark Andrews, Brandon Carr, Mark Ingram, Marcus Peters, Jimmy Smith, and Earl Thomas for all the reasons listed. And of course, Brandon Williams and Chris Wormley get that NIR uh, designation on Wednesday because they came to practice Thursday and then were ruled out for practice. And they weren't ruled out on Wednesday. So that's the difference there. I, I forgot to mention that. I should have mentioned that at the, at the beginning. I actually forgot. It just hit me as I was closing out that segment there. Um, but moving on, I want to move on to the Steelers game. Again, we don't have a whole lot of news. So we got to move on um, to what we're going to see in the Steelers game. So Pittsburgh obviously needs a win um, and a Tennessee loss to, to Houston to to weave themselves into the playoffs. Now, they have a decent shot against Baltimore because Baltimore obviously is going to rest all of their starters. That's number one. So when you have a situation like that, the Steelers have a much higher chance to win the game. There's no question. They have a much better chance to win the game today, uh, or I should say on Sunday, than they would have um, how many weeks ago? Well, it was week five. In week five, let's say. And they, But the problem is Tennessee. 
is Tennessee going to lose to Houston? I, I seriously doubt it because I think Houston's going to be resting a lot of their starters. Tannehill, say what you will about Ryan Tannehill, but he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League this year. Hands down, there's no question about it. So we'll see what he can do against the Houston Texans trying to get his Tennessee Titans into the playoffs. And look, I think he's he's earned a contract with Tennessee. If he gets into the playoffs, if he wins a playoff game too, then he earns a contract. And the Pittsburgh Steelers are not the healthiest team either. Now, I don't know about their Wednesday practice. I would believe it was a similar situation here with the Ravens, you know, having um, no practice on Christmas, I assume. But they got a lot of guys on the injury report, quite a lot. Um, this week. Now, Marquise Pouncey, I believe he's back from the suspension. I think he served the whole thing out. And if you don't remember the whole Miles Garrett knocking Mason Rudolph on the top of the, his head with his own helmet, Marquise Pouncey beating up Miles Garrett as a result. Miles Garrett got suspended for the rest of the season, but Marquise Pouncey um, got, I think it was three games, maybe it was whittled down to two or four, whittled down to three, something like that. As you all know, I always do these tangents where I forget to write these things down. I should write them down ahead of time. I don't think about it. But Marquise Pouncey, I think he's back. I think. Don't hold me on that, though. Did not participate on Wednesday or Thursday, though, with a knee injury. So the center might be gone. James Conner, the running back. Quad injury. Didn't participate on Wednesday or Thursday either. Not a great sign for him. Not at all. Uh, Mark Barron, the linebacker, was absent on Wednesday, but it was not injury-related. So he's a full participant on Thursday. Alejandro Villanueva, offensive tackle. Out on Wednesday, same thing, not injury-related. Full participant on Thursday. Vance McDonald, same thing again here, not injury-related. Absence on Wednesday, full participant on Thursday. And again, we don't know what their um, injury report is for Friday, for today yet, because practice hasn't happened yet. So we'll see how that goes. Um... Steve Nelson, the cornerback, had a groin injury. He was out on Wednesday, was a full participant on Thursday. David DeCastro, not injury-related absence on Wednesday, was a full participant on Thursday. TJ Watt, not injury-related. You can see a, a pattern here. Not injury-related absence on Wednesday, was a full participant on Thursday. Cameron Hayward, defensive tackle, um, not injury-related absence on Thursday. I'm sorry, Wednesday, was a full participant on Thursday. Um... Joe Hayden has a foot injury, nothing about Wednesday, but was absent completely on Thursday, did not participate. Ramon Foster, not injury-related, absence on Thursday, was there on Wednesday, presumably. So, a lot of non-injury-related, but the, the ones that are questionable here for them, James Conner, if he doesn't play, that would be a huge, huge loss for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, I don't know how good he is anymore. He had a really good first year with the Steelers, you know, starting. He's okay this year, but, you know, the injuries are getting to him. He's been injured quite a bit this year, if I remember correctly. You know, not having that workhorse against the Ravens would definitely be a problem for Delvin Hodges because Doc Hodges, you know, that undrafted rookie quarterback that almost beat us, he's struggled since then, and he's playing this Sunday over Mason Rudolph. And these two quarterbacks, you know, I thought Mason Rudolph was going to be a good quarterback coming out of college. Maybe in the right system he would be. But he's not doing very, he's not doing diddly squat for the Steelers. And, he, and, and both these quarterbacks would have absolutely loved to have James Conner on the ground. You know, maybe even as a, as, a, as a deacon dunk type guy. Screens and such and check downs. It's great to have James Conner. If Conner doesn't play, they can't establish that run game. They can't have, you know, the check downs with him. Their starting running back is going to be out. And, and 
presumably their, their well, not presumably, their most important game of the season, and he's presumably going to be out. Now, Marquise Pouncey could be out, too, and that would be a problem. Now, of course, you're not going up against Brandon Williams. You may not go up against Michael Pierce, depending on how it plays out, but the Ravens' defensive line, it's still good, and not having your starting center is a problem, and that would be a problem if, you know, he's out. Joe Hayden with a foot injury, you know, that could be a problem, too. I don't know, you know, not having your starting quarterback, you know, your best quarterback probably in Joe Hayden, right? Go up against whoever the Ravens are putting at wide receiver, Chris Moore, Jaleel Scott, and uh, Seth Roberts. That that tr- that amazing trio right there. You know, even if he's going up against Jaleel, Jaleel Scott, now you got to have somebody worse. So Jaleel Scott has a better opportunity against, against the Steelers. Or Seth Roberts, or Chris Moore, or whoever it is. Willie Sneed. All these guys have a better opportunity this week because Joe Hayden will be out, if that's the case. Because, you know, he still could participate on Friday and be, be ready for Sunday. Now, the Steelers, of course, are going to be different from the Ravens here. Anybody the Ravens have injured, even in the slightest, I bet if they have a cold, they're sitting out. No one's taking that chance. Steelers, not so much. If you are not 100%, if you're 80%, if you're 70%, you're probably still out there. You're going to be fighting that game. So a lot of these guys who are kind of questionable could end up in, in the active roster come Sunday. So that'll be very interesting. Now, if you didn't get the memo, of course, the, the, the Sunday game was scheduled to be 1 o'clock, which, for the record, I would have preferred 1 o'clock. But the NFL has other plans. They moved it to 425. So, of course, you have to wait longer now. Give the Ravens more airtime. Give the Ravens and the Steelers more airtime because, of course, the Steelers are looking to get a playoff um playoff berth here. Ravens not so much. They're they're content sitting where they are now. Um so that's the that's the Pittsburgh Steelers injury report right there. If we take a look um at it, we, we really don't see a whole lot, you know, of terrible injuries, but a few key players that are important. Joe Hayden, James Connor, Marquise Pouncey all may not be available for the Steelers on Sunday, which would be pretty bad considering the way the offense already is losing to the Jets. The Jets. That offense sucks. That's bad. With Delvin Hodges and, and Mason Rudolph, that is really bad. And without guys like Pouncey and Connor in there to hold it, or at least to stabilize it a little bit, it could be worse. Now, I said earlier we talk about why Week 17 is important for the Ravens' rushing stats here. The Ravens currently, believe it or not, with that 3,000 passing yards Lamar has, the Ravens have 3,073 rushing yards too. Did anybody expect that? I mean, I know they're good, right? There's no question that they're a good rushing team, but 3,000? I thought they were probably at 2,000 rushing yards. No, 3,000 rushing yards. I think the Ravens are only the third team in NFL history to actually get to that point, which shows you, I mean, even with a passer like this, the Ravens are really committed to the ground game. Greg Roman, of course, doing a fantastic job as the offensive coordinator every week. He's pulling new tricks out of his hat. Now, those the Ravens have 3073 total. 3073 rushing yards. The single season team rushing record is 3165 set by the New England Patriots, believe it or not, in 1978. 41 years ago. Almost 42 years ago. 41 years ago. The Patriots set that record. The Ravens on Sunday have a chance to go out and break it. 
All they need is 93 rushing yards. And with RG3 at quarterback, with Gus Edwards at running back, Justice Hill, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be more difficult. But they still got guys that can scramble, that can run, that can go. If Gus Edwards hits 100 yards, they got it. They got it. So, I mean, and Edwards can hit 100 yards. You all know that. You all saw that last year, that Edwards was a workhorse. And he's been waiting all year for this. 5.2 average yards per carry. 5.2 per attempt. I mean, it's going to be close. I don't know if the Ravens going to get it. But it's, it's going to be really close. I mean, I would say if it was the starting Ravens, all the starters, yeah. But, you know, with the, with the backups... It's not going to be the same effects like the Lamar would have, like a Mark Ingram would have. But Gus Edwards is still there. You got RG three. You got guys that can that can go. It's just going to be closer. If I had to, if I had to bet on it, I'd say they get it. But it's going to be by like a couple yards. It won't be the two hundred yard performance. I love a two hundred yard performance again, but I don't think we're going to get that. But again, three thousand, three thousand rushing yards. Do you know how many yards that is per game? If you have 3,073 rushing yards, remember, there's been 15 games played. That's 204 rushing yards per game. How on earth does any team in, in, the, in 2019, when the NFL's new meta, right, new meta strategy, is pass the ball, pass the ball, pass the ball, how do you get to 3,000 yards? You work like the Ravens. And, and credits John Harbaugh because he saw the trend the NFL was on and says said no I don't think I'm going to go that way they're going left I'm going right I'm going right they're going right I'm going left and of course it works perfectly because no every defense now is tailored to to, to go after the pass first offense who's who is planning for a run first offense with 200 yards on the ground like it's 1968 right who nobody so the Ravens take take advantage of it. They might be the most balanced team in the National Football League. When you look, I mean, obviously the passing yards and rushing yards that close together. And it's not like they're, you know, only going for like a thousand passing yards and they just suck at passing. No, they're good at, they're really good at passing the ball. But they're really, really good at running the ball too. I mean, it's crazy. A couple of thousand yard rushers, Mark, uh, Gus Edwards, over 500, could get to like 600 by the end. Well, I mean... He only needs 20 yards, 19 yards to get to 600 on the year. If he gets 150 yards on the ground, he's almost at, what, 700 at that point? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. So that's what the Ravens can do this coming Sunday. Um, Now, will they get the win on Sunday? It's not super clear to me. I'm leaning towards a loss, honestly, because I don't know... I mean, it just feels like, you know, all the starters... I mean, if all the starters were playing, I'd say it's an easy win. But a lot of stars are going to sit out. I would imagine more than we we know are going to sit out because they only gave us, what, six or seven that are officially sitting out right now that have been named. There's going to be probably more. And the Steelers are desperate. No Lamar, no Mark Ingram. I would imagine some other guys like Mark uh, Marcus Peters in the, you know, in the secondary are going to sit out. So I think we're probably going to lose this game, but who cares? Because I think the Tennessee Titans are going to win anyway, so it's meaningless. For us and the Steelers, are, it's ultimately going to be futile for the Steelers as well. But if we are trying to win, and we are trying to, we are trying to win. That's definitely a, a truth right there. We want to extend the win streak. We have to stop three key players on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And who are these three key players? 
the first one, as silly as it sounds, is, is Delvin Hodges. It, it's Duck Hodges. Gotta stop the quarterback first. Because in that first game, when he came in to relieve Mason Rudolph for that concussion, remember he was knocked out on the field after being hit by Earl? He was out like a light. Like a light. He was just out. And Delvin Hodges comes in and starts passing very well on our defense. And, and all of a sudden, everyone's kind of like, uh-oh, what's going on? You know, how is this undrafted rookie from Samford, of all places, starting to beat us through the air? Wasn't pretty. I'll give I'll, I'll give us that. It was not pretty. And I'll give him he, give him a lot of credit. He he knew what to do against the Ravens. He was prepared. But since then, I mean, it has not been very fun. I mean, they went back and forth between quarterbacks in the Jets game trying to start something. They got, like, what, six points total in the Jets game? It was trash. It was a trash effort. So the key player, really, for the Pittsburgh Steelers is Delvin Hodges. And then, of course, if Mason Rudolph came in to relieve Delvin Hodges, it would transform... Um, it would transfer, I should say, to, to Mason Rudolph. But is Duck Hodges going to do anything against the Ravens here? Does anybody expect him, or even Mason Rudolph, to do anything against this revamped Ravens defense? Because remember, we still didn't have Jimmy Smith. We didn't have Marcus Peters going up against Hodges. I think we had maybe Bynes or Ford or both at this point. But the defense was not done being revamped. It wasn't done. Now it's done. So he has not gone up against a lot of these guys that the Ravens acquired earlier this year. He hasn't. But again, he might not, right? Marcus Peters might not play. Marlon Humphrey might not play. Jimmy Smith is probably not going to play. Earl Thomas ain't going to play. He's going up against a much weaker secondary. But can he do it again? Can he do what he did in week five against the Ravens? Can he do it again? And can he this time win the game? I think I think he probably can, but it really depends on which starters the Ravens put out there, which they don't. Because they can't keep all the secondary out. They can't. They don't have enough guys. They, they can't. Delvin Hodges, though, isn't a great quarterback. He's going to make mistakes. Maybe Anthony Averett has the time to shine, right? Maybe. Maybe even Marshall makes a pick against him. Maybe maybe the unknown is scarier than the known for him, right? Maybe he, he can study film on Marcus Peters, Jimmy Smith, Marlon Humphrey. But how much film is available of Anthony Averett this year? How much? I don't know of any film on Inman Marshall. I don't even think he's played a single snap on defense this year. Maybe a couple. You know, I mean... There's nobody else out there. That he's I mean, there's there's nothing out there that's gonna help him prepare for this game against some of these backups. That's that might be the, the, the biggest threat. Because he himself is backup. If this was if this was Big Ben, right? I'd say, Oh yeah, Big Ben's Big Ben's in Pittsburgh wins by twenty, right? Because we're pulling all our starters. But it's undrafted rookie free agent Delvin Hodges from Samford in and he and Mason Rudolph put together couldn't beat the New York Jets. They couldn't do it. So we'll see. I mean, it's going to be a basically flip of the coin with Delvin Hodges or whoever is going to play quarterback by the end of it because they probably will put in Rudolph too if, if Hodges sucks. Now, Juju Smith-Schuster, I think, is going to be very important for the, for the Pittsburgh Steelers too. Um, of course, you know, being a rookie quarterback, being a second-year quarterback if Rudolph comes in, you know, you're going to need a receiver 
that you can rely on. And, and Juju's year has not been great. He has 546 yards this year, and that's it on 40 receptions. Now, of course, the Pittsburgh Steelers, obviously not the best team in the league, especially with the quarterback problems here. Um, so Juju Smith-Schuster's year, just, he's just been bad, right? And can you believe it's already been his, it's his third year in the league now? It's his third year in the league. And he's 23 years old. I think he was 19 when he came out, right? It's crazy. But anyway, he's going to be important. And going up against a reduced secondary, he will have more success than he than he did maybe in, in Week 5. But, of course, he had a good game in Week 5 other than the drop uh, that became a fumble. Now, for Hodges, that'll be important to find a receiver like Smith-Schuster. But he's going to have to make all the right decisions. He's going to have to lead his team. And can Delvin Hodges do that? I honestly don't know. Not to help back on Delvin Hodges. But he'll have a safety blanket in Juju Smith-Schuster. That's important. He won't have the safety blanket of James Conner. Someone he could really, really use. He won't have that. But he will have Juju Smith-Schuster. So Juju Smith-Schuster will be key for the Pittsburgh Steelers here in Baltimore in Week 17. Now the final key player is going to be TJ Watt. This is kind of obvious. Because TJ Watt getting to the quarterback can really set off this Ravens offense in different ways, right? They're going to have to play a little differently than they would with, with Lamar Jackson. That's true. Lamar Jackson, you know, is 10 times faster than RG3. I saw RG3 in person last week or so. Was it last week? Yeah, against the, or almost two weeks ago now because it was the Thursday night game against the New York Jets, right? We saw him against the Jets. He came in in the fourth quarter. And he was slow compared to Lamar Jackson. Now, he's probably fast compared to most quarterbacks, but he was slow compared to Lamar. So you can't do a lot of the same things that you can with Lamar than, you know, with RG3 than you can with Lamar. So getting to him, kind of making him a pocket passer, because you can't do that with Lamar. You can't force him to be a pocket passer. RG3, on the other hand, you can. And RG3's passes look bad. I mean, they looked, they looked bad on Thursday. Now, maybe it was just because it was an off night. I don't know. It didn't matter at that point, but he he didn't look great. We want to see him do well in this game. But for the Pittsburgh Steelers to stifle him, a strong pass rush and containing him in the pocket, it's going to be key. That's the way the Steelers are going to kind of stop this offense from being dynamic. That's that is the absolute key way to beat the Ravens. You got to stop the offense from being dynamic. Once you do that, you have to then get your own offense to get past the stout defense. But the dynamic offense is still the most important part to the Ravens team. And if you can't stop it, you're not going to get a win. Um, so it should be closer than it would if the Ravens were playing all their starters. But we'll see. I think the Ravens still can win this game. But my hunch is saying to me right now, Pittsburgh will probably win this game. Of course, my full preview and predictions article will be out tomorrow in the morning. I'll write it tonight. So make sure you subscribe to the Baltimore Feather email list to get it. And that's pretty much going to end the episode. I don't have much else to talk about. Again, it was a bit of a slow week with Christmas in here. The Ravens didn't have a whole lot going on. Um, but again, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to all of our listeners out there, our loyal listeners. Um, I do appreciate it each and every week for you listening. If you have any questions for the podcast, anything you want me to discuss, leave me a comment on YouTube or send me a tweet at Nestalk. Um, if you want to find us on other platforms that you're not listening to right now, you can get us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, CastBox, Overcast, PocketCast, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, and Player.fm. Subscribe to us on all of those, um, or any of those, 
and you'll be able to get our podcast whenever they come out. Um, make sure you follow us at Nest Talk, at Be More Feather on Twitter, at or me at Chris Linfont on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. Just search up Nest Talk or the Baltimore Feather on Facebook. Again, if you're looking for the latest Ravens news, all my articles, you can find that at BaltimoreFeather.com. Sign up for the email news list, and you will receive all the new articles in your inbox at the time of their publication. Um, so yeah, I hope everyone has a great weekend. This is going to be probably out on Friday afternoon. So have a great weekend, everybody. I hope to see you with a Ravens win under our belt next week, heading into the bye. Hopefully we get that win. Um, Again, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. We'll see you next week come 2020. Wow. We'll we'll meet you again in 2020 for the next episode of Nest Talk. But for now, I am Chris Linfont signing out. Have a great week, everybody.